So, um, <coughs> just as, as usual, if uh, it is being recorded, and but if you're not comfortable with that, just let us know, and Mark will pause the recording. Um, anybody, please. Yeah, Nick. Yeah. Um, because obviously there's way less time to sit and there's less samadhi in the system and you're less in touch with the energy body. So it just feels like a very different experience doing it off retreat to on retreat. Um, and I, you know, if I'm honest, I spend more time with images not in meditation than I'm off retreat. Um, in terms of sort of, you know, reflecting on images that can't maybe once quite intensely and then spending more time actually reflecting or writing or thinking about them. Um, and that, you know, it feels very rich as well. But I'm just wondering if, you know, that kind of flattens them or what, what the difference is. The difference between? Well, between, you know... Meditatively? Yeah, meditatively, like being with them a lot while sitting. Yeah. Um, and doing it more, you know, it just it feels... Yeah, like, thank um, you. That's really good. Um, could everyone hear that? Yeah. Um, so the question is, um, it, it seems easier to access images meditatively on retreat when there's more stillness and time to meditate. Off retreat, um, Nick's saying she's spending more time um, reflecting on an image or writing, etc. And, and yeah, um, <clears throat> I just go back to the soul making sense. So. Uh, how how does an how is an image um, best brought to life in the soul? Best uh, have its power in the soul. Best how is it best um, honoured and revered? You know, it's not because one could spend a lot of time in meditation and um, and that's all. You know, and and that would be one one extreme. You know. Um, Maybe that's not what it needs, and maybe there's something in the meditation that's missing. You know, there's a, uh, I can't quite read the writing. <laughs> but um, I think it might even be touched on in the talk tonight. You know, it's like, in a, in a way, images ask something of us. And exactly what they ask, or exactly what um, what the responsibility to them is, it's, it's not, there's no formula, you know. So sometimes it might be that it's actually a, a mental reflection. Right? Sometimes it might be some creative work. Sometimes it might be doing something different. And sometimes it's much more internal, you know, much more. And I don't think there's a rule for that, but it's, it's listening and, and seeing and seeing where the soul-making is, you know. And I can certainly think of um, <clears throat> certain images that maybe have come up once or twice, um, but they're they're alive for me, you know. They're woven into my life, and and um, and then one can be creative. So I think when Andy had the question yesterday, and I said oh, I have this jazz musician image. Um, probably meditatively, actually no, maybe it's come up more than once for sure. But but one of the important things there, um, because there was a little bit of grief about leaving that world and and having that opportunity for that, you know, music to come through that way. Um, one of the things that was really helpful was bringing that in in a very subtle way to my life. So I think I shared this in a talk years ago. You know, I might be sitting in an interview with someone, and I just remember that image. 
which are just really, really lightly in, in so to speak, the back of the, the psyche, so to speak, but it begins coloring uh, the interaction. Now, the, the other person, I'm not suddenly, you know, stuff <laughs> 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 goes, what are you doing? <laughs> um, uh, shh, shh, I'm doing my thing. <laughs> um, no, it's really, really subtle, really subtle. But there's something then in the way I feel myself in response and, and something that, you know, is free in a particular kind of way or, or nuanced in a particular kind of way. But what I'm doing then is I'm, I'm bringing to life that image in a whole bunch of directions. I'm also, th- this is, th- you know, for me it's like um, a lot of Dharma work is about freeing us up. You know, freedom, Right. And then with imaginal work, you know, um, I feel that there's also, we have a duty, or we have duties. So an image, as it often asks something of us, it's not always clear what it's asking, and how much actual physical manifestation is being asked. Um, some images, that you know, it, it, they, they do require, I, I'm doing this different, I'm changing a life direction, even something really big, you know all the way down to something really subtle, like the, the jazz musician thing, but it's coming in even beyond that to even more subtle. It just exists internally in my soul, but there's a reverence there. And, and all it's asking for is the reverence. So, um, you know, I may, I may feel it in my body, it, it comes into my psyche, um, but the duty is in the reverence, in the respect, in, in the seeing the divinity of, yeah? Now, all this can be worked in some of it in meditation, but some of it's actually asking for, as a life becomes image, image and life meet, and that's where the work is. It doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, does this? Um, and the other thing, and I said it in response to Andrew yesterday, but I'll say it again, I, I feel as time goes by um, with imaginal practice that, that uh, you know, short periods of meditation, 20, 20 minutes, if you're doing this kind of work, 20 minutes, 10 minutes, blah, 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 mind the day, or I forgot to send that email, whatever it was. And then actually a little bit of contact with an image can have, can have really power. It's this moving in and out and, and being able to access more. Yeah. So it's not necessarily like I need to get back on retreat and have all that time. Um, but that, I think that's probably, yeah, more available than you might imagine for you. Yeah. Does that answer what, yeah, okay, good, lovely. Yeah, is it Dave? Yeah. yeah. Hi. Um, something that particularly resonated in the talk we heard last night um, was the question, um, who are you doing it for? Is it sort of for the self or is it for something beyond? Yeah. For God or for yeah. something, something beyond? Um, and it, it resonated partly because I think the most soulful that I have felt in my life is when there has been that devotion. Yeah. Um, a true devotion to some, something beyond. Um, but that certainly at the moment, um, my practice is very much for myself, <coughs> driven by a, 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 a particular yearning for healing. Yeah. So, for example, um, if a loving image approaches, I will sort of imagine it touching the, the part of me that physically hurts. Yeah. And then I can feel the resonance going almost, because it's, it's like I've taken the autonomy away. Uh-huh. Um, and I just wondered what guidance you might have on how, you know, when, when there is that yearning for something from the self, yeah. 
how to open up more to the devotion. Yeah. Um, thank you. So everyone could hear that, right? Um, th- I think there's quite a lot in the question. It sounds like there's quite a, there's a few strands there. So um, let's see. Um, you know, like a lot of these distinctions that, that we've been making, they serve a purpose in that they um, highlight something that often isn't highlighted if you don't make the distinction, okay? And, and I think I said yesterday, I think, I think a whole talk was on this distinction that is not that we didn't give on the retreat, but what often happens, I find, is that people... Um, feel they're doing it for one purpose and, and actually, you know, it has the language of divine and da-da-da-da-da, but actually it's just for the, for the self um, or, or more. It's a spectrum. Um, potentially even the other way around, you know, that one is talking in terms of that, but actually somewhere in one's soul, so to speak, one re- is doing it for a, for a greater purpose that maybe one can't quite articulate clearly. So I'd just be cautious about, about too much dichotomy um, there. That's one thing. The second thing is, um, and, and like we've been we've been stressing really, um, souls are different, needs are different, past experience is different, and the needs that come out of past experience or wounding or imbalances or all that, um, and the order in which things happen is different. And it, so it's not like first you do this, and then the rest of the path is all about that. I mean, it might be. But it might also be have periods where it comes back and forth, and there are periods, sort of levels of healing the, the self or the body or, or whatever. And so you have periods of that, and then it opens up, and then it's mixed, and then it comes, you know, all, all of that's good. So I, I wouldn't be, um, I, I wouldn't actually be too suspicious of, of that at all. Um, some, and, and, and if you are, if a part of you really wants it to be for something bigger, you can always hold this healing in the context of serving something big, but that's more in the back of your mind. Right now, this needs healing, you know? And um, people come on long retreat here, for example, and, and often other people in their life might say, oh, it's so selfish. Um, of course, they wouldn't say that if the person was going to lie on a beach in Bermuda for six months <laughs> for some reason. Doesn't, don't know why, anyway. Um, but, but, you know, a person can be on retreat here and, and really have the idea that I'm doing this. I'm, I'm want, I recognize I, I need to build my strength, my equanimity, my capacity, my steadiness, my heart, all of that. Yes, I need to heal, and it's for something bigger. So I, I say, you know, the long periods of time I've spent on retreat have been with that all, always in the back of my mind. Um, so, so there's a mixture, yeah. Um, about the autonomy, I don't know why... Yeah, so this, these words we've been using, otherness, autonomy, etc., I'm not sure... The image is he- healing me, and it's for my healing. That doesn't mean that, that it, it doesn't have autonomy, the image. This image is other. It's not just part of me, kind of... Oh some other thing is patting me on the back when I'm pretending it's, you know. It, it just has this sense of it's not, I can see that it's me, but it's also more than me, it's beyond. So that's the autonomy. So I'm not sure why that would be lost if, 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 if it's um, uh, related to in terms of healing yourself. So can you say a bit about... I suppose it's, it can feel like there's something um, sacred, something yeah. in the image. Beautiful. 
and then I, I, I've noticed sometimes it almost feels like it's then being forced by, I don't know, let's say a, a, an intellectual part of the mind or a, another part of the mind. Yeah. And it's gone from what I would see as imaginal practice yeah. into, I don't know, something, something that doesn't resonate as much anymore. Uh, okay. It feels forced rather okay. than... Yeah, so look at your gesture there. You know, I, I might, what comes to my mind is the, the thing that we said about um, the heart's relationship with it. So the mind can come in, I've got an agenda, I'm going to do this, 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 and it's going to make me better or whatever. The, the yearning is coming from the same place in the soul. It's going either through the mind or through the heart, so to speak. So when you notice that happen, just, just pause and see if you can come back to your heart's yearning and your heart's longing for healing. And that's more this, you know, and so that, that will um, open it up in a different way, pr- probably. Does, it, does that make sense? Um, so it's just a matter of recognizing when that goes on and, and, and finding that heart longing and, and coming from there. And there's this attitude that we're talking about, surrender, humility, etc. Yeah? Does it make sense? And then one more thing about all this. Um, I think, I think, you know, again, the, the, the distinction is important because like, it highlights certain things. But, but also, you know, not to take, I would say, any distinction too, you know, too literally as a dichotomy or duality. Um, if I follow imaginal work in, in, in the ways that we've been talking about, implicit, not implicit, but in, inherent in that, intrinsic in that, is a sense of divinity. And if I just keep going with it, um, that divinity will spill over in what we've been calling cosmopoesis, etc., which you've tasted a little bit of. And, um, and so, even if the imaginal, like right now with my illness, some, some of my imaginal work is, is of a healing of people, angels and, you know, uh, birds like a shed and stuff, come and they're healing me. But I really feel that in, in healing me on the soul level, so who knows what will happen with the physical body, but healing me on the soul level, it's a healing of the world. Why? Because, because of that divinity in the imaginal, opening up to that, and because of the spilling over, I can't. It, the perception of the world is healed, and that's the healing of the world that we're talking about. Re-enchanting the cosmos. Why? Because a disenchanted cosmos needs healing. Do you, you understand? But the healing is through the perception. So um, again, it's like th- there's a kind of natural. E- Let's call it evolution, but again, things can happen in all different orders. But um, that uh, we can trust here, that that kind of integrates these things and kind of melts the dichotomies a, a little bit. Did, yeah. Did, okay. Good. So there's quite quite a lot there. But yeah. Good. Ramiro, please. Can you clarify, um, make the distinction between image and idea? Yeah. And idea, not in the sense of you know, the kind of thought useful to yeah. solve, solve a problem, but in, in a deeper uh, meaning. Yeah. Uh, another one? <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's cheating. What's <laughs> the role of oh. faith in this process of re-enchanting the cosmos? Can you say more about that? Yeah, yesterday listening to the talk, we were saying about the longing for the divine. And I have experienced that very deeply 
and it aches, that longing. But something very, very painful added to, a, mm. to that was uh, not finding a resonance in the culture, yeah. not being that longing, not being legitimized mm. by the culture, mm. by the people I related to, friends, family, mm. etc. The stories around the. So it, it's a striking to me why, why. I had that sense that what didn't have um, support at all, all around, or resonance. Yeah, it's just um, that question: uh, why, why that sense, why following that sense when everything around either is indifferent to it or hostile, or try to squash it. So, you, so part of your second question is why why that was arising for you, how it could stay stay and sustain itself despite all all this. Or? It's a general question. Why, is it, for some people, that is something that comes to life, yeah. despite the not being supported or even um, fought by the environment. Yeah. And yeah, and what is the role you give it to the whole process of re-enchanting right. the cosmos? Um, I don't know the answer, or or rather, um, one answer could be that souls are different, you know, and they want different things, and some people, no matter what's around them, um, the the fire of the longing for divinity or, or whatever you might say um, it is 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 there it's burning and it's clear and they feel it and they feel the the, the, uh, the, the you know the vulnerability the pain of that really the, the 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 pain of the longing you know but it doesn't it doesn't diminish so it's just like some souls are like that another answer could be that all souls are like that I think fire eros desire burns with different qualities in different souls. So some people it's, you know, it's just their character to have it, it's very visible and, and you can see it's very fiery. Other people have, a, their fire is much more like a, a even, uh, sustained fire, but it's actually hard to put it out, you know. So it's not, I think fire has different, it manifests in different characters in different souls, yeah. But a second answer would be that everyone has that fire, that longing. Um, and what happens is we are more or different people, different souls are more or less vulnerable to what's around and to that being blown out or smothered or hidden or uh, dampened or, or something. Um, or again, there's wounds from the past or just the cultural conditioning is so forced or the threat around it is so forced. Um, you know, it's all related, it's related even to, to the you know, the confidence one has in oneself and also in one's ideas. So there's um, quite, in some circles, there's quite an aggressive uh, dismissal of those kind of things and ridiculing. And so, you know, part, part of this is how self-confident is a soul, how resilient, how tough, how independent of, of a thinker. You know, it's not just about faith. Like all these things feed each other. Do, do you see what I mean? Um, but basically, I don't know. I mean, it's clearly the case that um, 
that that what you're describing happens, and in other situations it doesn't happen. And some people don't seem to have it at all, or don't seem to have it at all. It, exactly what's going on, I, I don't know. So for myself, I'm. It's also something I think about, and I think about as a teacher a lot. Um, but I don't. Right now, for where I am, I'm just cautious of of uh, you know saying one or the other. So I don't know if that's helpful. But um, and the first question, yeah. Um, I'm hoping to actually, um, at some point, give some teaching exactly on that, on idea and image, because I feel that Im- implicit in an image is also certain ideas. So we tend to think of them as separate, but actually they they are interrelated. So always, when there's an image, there's actually I- I- idea wrapped up, and um, and even actually in the way that I would conceive of insight meditation, you're you're actually playing as part of the way of looking with a subtle ideation, a subtle conceiving, and that's um, that's actually really important. So all these things are, are mixed up there. Uh, yeah, again, there's not such a clear separate division between the two, but I don't know if that's enough for now. Or yeah, that, that also makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you know, image has more connotations of visual perception yeah, and yeah. idea of yeah. concepts. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I, some point that yeah. you cannot distinguish them. Yeah, totally. Uh, sometimes uh, images don't come for me, but some ideas very potent, yeah. like beauty, yeah. not having any image yeah. of yeah. something beautiful or beauty, but having the, yeah. the weight of the idea. Yeah, very good. So this is this is um, sometimes why I use the word fantasy instead, because um, it, it's all uh, you know. The amount of sensual content in an image, which doesn't necessarily mean visual, it could be sonic, it could be bodily or whatever, the amount of sensual content in comparison with the obviousness of the ideational content, that, that can vary. You know? And as you say, certain ideas, it's like we have a fantasy. I mean, liberation is, is an idea. The Buddha... Is, is an idea, is also a historical image. So these, these kind of things, the path, you know, it's, it's, it's lived, it's felt, it's, you know, we feel it, but it's also an idea, you know. So anything that's meaningfulness, that, that's meaningful to us, that's alive, that we love, that moves us, it has, it's the idea of it, that it's, an idea of it is wrapped up and that's alive to us as image, but that image might have very little um, sensual contact, content or it might have a lot. Yeah, does does it make sense? So, um, but you can tell again that 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 there's soul in the image of the idea, the image around the sort of corona of fantasy around that um, idea. By all the same ways, I'm moved, I'm drawn, I love it. It gives me beauty. It gives me a sense of depth. The sacredness in this, all that is telling me something is alive as image. But what might be alive as image is an idea. What might be alive as image is just the sense of the body, you know, and, and the body coming alive in a certain way. So this, this word image is very broad and it overlaps with idea, definitely, yeah. And there, yeah, anyway, later. But is it but okay? Yes, good. Yeah, Suzanne. Um, if I remember correctly, you mentioned something in the talk last night um, <coughs> in regard to creativity. Yeah. And the way I remember it was you said something like all of our dukkha should be soul making. Does that sound? Um, I'm not sure about the should, but uh, but 
I, I might have said that, but if I did, it was a slight accident. Yeah. Could you rephrase that? Yeah. Um, the, the, I, I think, if I remember, it was more the question of, um, first of all, is our dukkha soul-making? Um, and is it possible um, to uh, open up enough of a back-to-idea, you know? So as Catherine was talking about re-enchanting dukkha, it's like, what's my idea that goes with my dukkha? So this is this goes all whenever there's any experience, there's a way of looking at that experience. Included in the way of looking is all kind of an, a, a net of ideation, most of which we don't even realize is going on. So for instance, here's this dukkha, it means I'm a failure. Uh, sometimes that's not even verbalized, it's kind of carried around as a psychic weight, and, 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 but it's an idea and it's doing something to the whole sense of the dukkha and what unfolds from it. And probably, almost certainly, such, a, such an idea, even if it's very subtle, will, not, will make that dukkha not soul-making. Uh-huh. And it was such a relief for me to hear that talk because as an artist, I find that there's not a lot of um, room in the Dharma for being an artist other than a particular kind of artist. And so I heard that and I thought, oh, you know, this is, it's okay when I'm doing isn't necessarily kind of With this being the, the why am I painting still, you know, and, and and to me the Dharma is the thing that really brings such depth of meaning to my life, but I also still kind of associate with or identify with being an artist. Um, and I just have a hard time reconciling those two things, you know, being somebody who, you know, practices meditation and the kinds of things that I try to teach my students about letting go and being spontaneous and the kinds of things I think that you were encouraging here in terms of movement, you know, just kind of allowing yourself to free yourself up. And then working on these projects that can be really, um, like a lot of striving is mm -hmm. involved. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of kind of precision is involved, and it's not like, you know, like a Tibetan sand mandala which gets blown away at the end, it's like, you know, this is yeah. meant to be yeah. kept as an object. Yeah. I don't know, do, do you have... I, I could say something about that, I'm not quite sure how it 
Oh, okay, I see how it might connect with the first part of the question, I think. Um, yeah, I, uh, I remember um, teaching in France, this is years ago, and doing a group for artists. It was a Dharma uh, retreat thing. And um, just hearing from them. And the group split into two. I mean, in, my, in answer to my sense of, or, or my perception of whether they were doing the art for the process of it. And people would destroy a painting, really good paintings, just destroy it because it's just for the flow, it's just for the process. And others for whom the art was for the, for the result. Yeah. Now, I don't remember if it was equally into it, probably wasn't. Um, I, I know where I, I was as an artist, you know, um, that for me, um, I think everyone's different with this, you know. I think I'm, maybe say a few things. Um, actually, I'll backtrack before I share the personal thing. Um, again, we're back to ideas and Dharma ideas of what liberation is and what it looks like. And so ideas about flow, ideas about being in the here and now, ideas about not striving, ideas certainly about not getting stressed out. You know, these are really, really dominant ideas in Dharma culture. You know, Zen art is, as far as I, I can tell, always very quick. You know, it's like, done. <laughs> and if you had a, a moment's thought in that, it's, it's impure, and then you throw it away, or whatever. Or um, It's like, so what? Um, I, I actually, um, and now, now I'm asking the personal part, so each person decides what they want, but I think it's really important to realize the power of ideas, the, how dominant that those kind of ideas are in Dharma culture. You know, it's, it's because Dharma is, about, is rooted in Four Noble Truths, it's about less stress, less suffering, you know. But, um, so here's the, the personal bit I'll share, and it's just me, you know, it doesn't, everyone's different on this, and you, again, you need to find what works for you, but... When I first started, I felt like I wanted, uh, I was playing uh, music, and then I first started to want to compose. And I read a book by Natalie Goldberg called Writing Down the Bones. Some of you will know it. And her idea was, yeah, just, just play and just and do, you know, do a piece on this and do a piece on that. And I started doing that, but the, the idea was really not to care about the result at all. What happened, it was really liberating for me, and what happened quite quickly, though, is that I felt what came out was I really liked, you know, and it was really important. And then quickly from that, I, I started, I, I, it became very, very, um, what's the word? Uh, it wasn't like uh, a free light pr process, composing and, and writing. Um, if you saw me at the pia piano writing, you know, where's the damn pencil? And so it's, it's not, it doesn't look mindful and calm at all. I don't care. I honestly don't care. Why would I care about something? Who cares about that? Because of the suffering. Uh, okay, but that goes back to the other question. What do you really want? You know, um, so some people, um, you know, there's, there's other kinds of suffering involved in that. You have to look at what are the sufferings because... When you put something out into the world creatively, a lot is about what will people think, you know, and I'm not saying that's the case with you, but that's a certain, um, you know, what level of that is a kind of just ego kind of suffering, you know. Um, some people want a peaceful, unruffled, stress-free life, and that's why they practice. Great, go for it. But um, that's not what I want, personally. And I'm not saying anyone should be like me, or, but I'm just saying... And I think I said in one talk, some people will care more about the art 
than about anything else. And that includes how stressed they are or whatever, or the cost it takes to, to, uh, to do something, uh, like, like a long-term artistic project. Because there's something, A, in the soul about being creative, about, about embodying that, and there's something in the soul of the product, the product as image, the art, artistic painting or whatever it is, sculpture, composition, that has soul too. And the soul of the artist making and the struggle involved now, I can re- reify that in, and cling to it too tightly, just as we talked about too much realism. But for some people, it's the soul-making and it's the art that matters more than the being peaceful. And if it costs me, it costs me. Well, that's, there was a time in my life where I said, I don't care if I die painting. This is, I just love this so much. And then I got really sick yeah. and I could have died. Sure. I was like, it's not that important. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but... but I really hear you, but again, I would still say not. Some people that same thing happens to. Some people the same thing happens to, with with death looking at them, and they and they say it is that important. You know, so uh, it. But it's up to you. Um, what, what, why am I doing this? And and if maybe something has started, a bit related to Dave's question. You know, some, something starts with a purity of intention. And, and, you know, over years of being an artist, and, and this is really the case, or Dharma, and either the original intention gets, we've, we've lost track of it, we've lost um, even, even recognition or being in touch with why I'm doing something, whether it's practice or whether it's art, or it gets um, infected with some other intention, which is self-aggrandizing in some, in some way, even subtly, and this will... This will um, make the process less soul-making, less beautiful, less, less all of that. I just don't buy the Dharma... There's a lot of personal opinion here, but a lot of the art that, that is made with that ethos about being stress-free and quick, and it's like... I So, so again, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm where I'm sitting up here. The microphone is here. I'm very cautious. There was something else that was about the realism thing. You know, I'm cautious about just when I state an opinion, it becoming too authoritative. You know, so I, re- I really want to make a distinct distinction between. So I have a certain kind of soul, a certain kind of personality, certain kind of inclinations. That's that's my business. You know. What I'm more interested in is drawing attention to ideas and ways that we get kind of indoctrinated without realizing it. And then, please, it's everyone's, it's your soul's journey with this. And you, you could make a, a very different decision or direction from me. And that's really, really important. So there's a real, you know, I have to be careful. And, and, and especially when there's things I feel passionate about. It's just what's opinion and, and my style and what's, um, you know, what's actually more universal, etc. Well, I think in the past there were probably a lot of there were a lot of shoulds on my part because I couldn't reconcile the two. You know, it's like how can I do this when this other thing that I believe in so much kind of says that doing this is not striving. It's, it's yeah. you know it's, it goes against a lot of the philosophies. Yeah. So that's why I say hearing that talk was very refreshing. Yeah. I mean, I'd just add one more thing about the striving. You know, if you read the Pali Canon, 
um, there's a lot of striving in there, and there's a lot of encouragement to strive. And there's a sutta somewhere or other where the Buddha's talking about different kinds of equanimity, and different kinds of pain that arise in, in life and for a practitioner, and then different kinds of equanimity or ways of letting go. And one of them is something like the, the pain of the practitioner uh, who isn't yet realized, but who yearns for realization. And so all the other ones he gives, he should let go this way, he should get, let go that And he says, yeah, it just goes with the territory. So the modern version of like, don't strive, let it go, da-da-da, you know, that that's, belongs to some cultures, belongs especially to a Western culture where we have such a painful relationship with self and, and you know, it all goes together. But it's not, ri- in the original teachings, there's a lot of emphasis on striving and, and the acknowledgement, yeah, it's going to rub it's going to hurt at times. He just says, yeah, accept the pain. It, when you realize, it will be better because <laughs> cause you'll, you'll have what, you, what you're longing for. He doesn't say let go, don't, you know. Um, it's complex, you know. So, so our relationship with striving, what's coming into our striving, what ideation, what self-image and all that, it's not, it's not so simple, in, I think, especially in our culture and for our d- divergent personalities, you know. But... Uh, yeah. Okay. So you digest. I just have one little thing in response to that. I'm just thinking that in Zogchen and that kind of there's a lot of emphasis on non striving as well. What was that? In Zogchen and Mahamudra yeah. in Tibetan Buddhism there's a lot of emphasis on non striving, so Yeah, you know it's true, it's certain um a lot of in Advaita Vedanta and in lots of traditions, I um, hmm. yeah, it's not. The, so the whole thing with striving, not striving, it's not right or wrong. It's, it's always the question of like, what's helpful, what's what's skillful, you know. So, and and if someone says just, you know, just rest in the natural state, which is a kind of classic uh, Mahamudra or Zogchen teaching, um, don't strive, just rest in the natural state, you know. Uh, how able is a person even to to do that? Even given it as an instruction, it will have a lot of different levels, you know, to, to the capacity to do that. And um, so, so it really has its place as a teaching. But always the question is: is it is it helpful to me? What's coming out of it? Um, I also think historically, Zogchen and Mahamudra are kind of. Pr- presented in a way that's very different from the context of what's around them um, in, in the classical way of presenting, where there'd be a lot of striving, a lot of preliminaries, a lot of prostrations, and, and a short period of time would be spent doing Zogchen. It's, it's not like that's a, that's a total teaching. It's, it's, a, it's a gear they shift into, maybe for 10% of the time, if that, you know, and the rest of the time is a lot of uh, striving and devotion. Again, I think in the West we're hungry for teachings that just say you're okay, uh, and and you know that's important. But but some t- it's the question of what, what's really helpful, you know, and that and that varies. I think it, I think it's complex. Yeah. Um. You know, even on a micro level, I'm just saying this to everyone. Even on a micro level, you know, it's like. Um, modulating effort in practice, like when, when to back off and be much more receptive and open, when, when to bring a bit more 
ardency and diligence and, and fire. In alchemy there's a phrase, uh, he, she who masters the fire, masters the work. Yeah. So this fire and this, this intensity and effort, it's like, well, in alchemy times it didn't have a switch, did they? But it's like, it's like you're learning how to, what kind of fire is needed right now. And sometimes it's backing right off and just being open and letting things come uh, and dropping the striving as much as one is able. The thing about that is there's always striving at, at a subtle level, you know, that we don't actually recognize. But learning how to modulate that and ha- how to do that in a caring way and appropriate way, it's really... Um, I feel really there's so much that could be said about that on all different levels in practice in terms of long trajectories and also moment to moment and, and lots of things it's, it's complex oh, do, do we need to stop? Is it, what time was the uh, um, is there any quick question? <laughs> there is such a thing which I will promise you will get a quick answer. <laughs> no. uh, Ava, yeah. If someone else it's okay. Go. Um, energy, body, and states of um, samadhi, if you want. Um, I wonder if you would say that there's a limit to the skillful use of the concept of energy, body, when, uh, like, what happens with the energy body? Would you say when the perception of space is falling away, these things? You know, would you still see the idea, the concept of energy body is a skillful one, or would you say, you know, it's just going until this? I think so. So um, Ava's asking about the idea of energy body when you get very deep in meditation and the, the actual experience of the body dissolves, yeah, and then, and. Yeah, and then even beyond, and so there's just nothing but space, and then even beyond that, when the space dissolves, yeah. So, um, in, in a, I mean, formulaically, the Buddha said the first four jhanas are what's called rupa jhanas, which because they're body jhanas, they're they're actual experiences of the energy body. That's a way of thinking about. It. It's part of the reason why I tend to emphasize energy body right from the start. It's like what where we're heading towards is actually. Um, different, if you like, frequencies of experience of the energy body or different qualities within the energy body and they correspond with different jhanas. I mean, even before that. So the whole of samadhi can just be, instead of focusing on a small point and then somehow getting to this energy body thing, it's actually, you could start it right from the beginning uh, with energy body. So as you move through the jhanas, the body becomes rapture, if you like. That's the energy body flavor and this grossness of the body is dissolved and there is there's rapture in this space and then this this body becomes joy and it's drinking joy or it becomes peacefulness or it becomes stillness um, then you get I mean if you're doing classically jhana then you get to the, the the realm of infinite space the jhana of infinite space so one way of looking at that is saying that um, so, so uh, in the first four jhanas, as you go through the jhanas, the vibration, we're back to the spectrum of the energy body, very solid or very subtle. As you go through the jhanas, the vibration gets more and more refined. The, 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 fla- the um, quality of the energy body gets more and more refined, so that the stillness of the fourth jhana is an extremely refined state. It, it's, it's an extremely refined perception. The vibration here is very, very subtle. It becomes so subtle that um, there, there's no body there at all, it's just space. That you, I could look at that two ways. I could see that that's the end of the energy body. Now we're talking about just mental perceptions, and that's 
tends to be how the Buddha looks at it. Or you could say at that point, the perception of the energy body or the characteristic of the energy body is one of space. What does it feel like here? It feels like space. It's characterized by, I can put my hand through it, there's, there's the absence of any kind of um, sense of substance. Um, beyond that, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't call it really energy body because you're, you're not even talking about spatial stuff, yeah. Um, Although may, maybe the sixth one, with, with the awareness, can kind of have a s- very subtle sense of a, a body of awareness, but not in any solidified sense. But yeah, definitely after that, no, no way. Um, yeah, that, yeah, okay. Um, okay, very good, we need to end. So let's just have a little quiet together. <coughs> say one more thing, it's partly in response to something that came up, it's partly in response to, to a note that I can't quite read or understand fully, but it's about, it's a question about responsibility. Um, I'm sorry for taking more time, I just feel it's important. Uh, the responsibility that we have to the soul, if you like. Um, and so sometimes with imaginal figures or with the sense of devotion we have or longing we have, these are movements of the soul and they come, they knock on our door, they ask of us something. It's not always clear what they're asking. And we don't know, Am I, what is my responsibility? And sometimes we get a sense of what it is. Two things, one is the, the, the holding it lightly. That doesn't mean not engaging or not following through on that responsibility, but holding it lightly in terms of self-reification, re- realism. And the other thing is, as I said before, is like, you know, using the sense of soul-making as one's guide there. So, what is my responsibility? How do I feel that? How do I follow through on that? Is what I'm doing in trying to follow through on my sense of duty there? Is, am I on the right track? Again, it's, it's energy body and sense of soul-making that, that we can, we can trust there. And if something gets too tight or it feels dead or something, uh, we 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 get the sense that we're not on the right. Something's a bit off. Off. So it always part of the principle is this: is, Am I clinging too tightly? Is it becoming a realism? And also, it, how is my soul with this? How is this stirring in the soul? And that we we can trust that when it feels soulful, when it feels soul making. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.